Welcome, everybody, to the first podcast in our series, The Power of Good, which will explore social value in its many forms, how it's created, why it's important, and the sheer power of giving back to our communities and our planet. This podcast is aimed at charities, individuals, corporates, anybody really who's interested in the impact positive actions can have on our communities and our environment. We'll be hearing heartwarming stories, such as the results of the report that we're sharing today, which demonstrates the good that's being done in society and the true value that this has, as well as looking at some things that you might like to be involved in yourself. I'm Anna Phillips, and I'm joined by my co-host, Marina Lee. We're members of the charities team here at Anstey Solicitors. Hi, Marina. Hello. So, Anna, I guess the listeners may be wondering why a firm of solicitors is producing a podcast on social value. Yeah, that's a really good question, isn't it? I think the bottom line here, Marina, is that we believe we're entering an unprecedented and exciting period when the power of good is being recognised and valued by modern society, perhaps like it never has been before. Charities in the UK, many of whom you and I are privileged to work with, are an incredible force for the positive, improving our communities and our environment. The power of good is key, though, for all of us, not just charities, but individuals and corporates alike. We all have to play our part. So perhaps it's actually fitting that as a corporate, we should speak up. Yeah, I totally agree, Anna. So today we're focusing on the Charity Retail Association's report, The Value of Giving Back, The Social Return of Charity Shops, published and launched in the House of Commons on the 25th of October, and which highlights the huge positive impact that charity shops have on our society. I'm very pleased to welcome today Robin Osterley, who's the Chief Executive of the Charity Retail Association. Hi, Robin. Hello, Anna, and hi, Marina, and hi to everyone out there. Thanks for joining us. And I'm also joined by Nathan Pesey, who's the head of the retail sector for Foot Anstey. Hi, Nathan. Hi, thanks for inviting me. So to kick off, Robin, I'm going to start with you. We all love a charity shop, but this research is absolutely fascinating. I note that it shows that in 2022, charity shops across the UK produce social value of 75.3 billion. That's actually seven pounds for every pound spent. Can you tell me what motivated the Charity Retail Association to commission the report? And can you also tell me, were you surprised by the results? Sure. Um, I guess for many years now, we've been thinking about charity shops as, I guess, more than just a shop. Not something necessarily where people only go to pick up a bargain or to pick up furniture or household goods, but also where there is a significant value to the community. So it's a a hub of the community, a place of safety, and also a, I guess, a literal shop window for the charity that owns or runs that shop. So we've been thinking about that for many, many years. I mean, it is true that charity shops contribute about a third of a billion in sheer financial terms to their parent charity, and that's obviously an extraordinarily high amount. As well as that, we were interested in finding out what else they do. It came to our attention that it was possible to actually quantify that in in financial terms by using a set of very well-tried and tested methodologies to create financial proxies for things like well-being. We felt that if we did the research cogently and effectively, uh, we would then be able to actually put a financial value on all of that increase in well-being that charity shops create, whether that's for staff, for their volunteers, shoppers, of course, and for their donors. So we wanted to, yeah, put some science behind that, I guess, and and making it, you know, a really concrete figure. 
Thanks, Robin. And I think actually the research is exactly that. It's tangible evidence of the impact that charity shops have on society. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And you asked about whether we were surprised about the figure. Um, Yeah, we were, I think. Uh, We knew that there was a lot of social value that charity shops provide, as I mentioned before. But we didn't really have much idea as to what it was going to come out at in terms of a multiplier. And that figure that you mentioned, of it's actually about £7.35 for each pound that's invested in charity shops. That's pretty astonishing, actually. Yeah, we were a bit surprised, uh, delighted. And there's a little piece of us which was quietly gratified that the figure was as high as that because we kind of knew it would be good. Yeah, I would say I was really amazed by the figures, Robin. And actually what struck me about the report was that 49% of the social value generated actually came from giving back to others and then 20% came from giving back to the planet. What are your thoughts on those statistics? My thoughts on it are actually that I don't know if you still turn on the news because I know a lot of people who don't because there's a lot to be concerned about, particularly in the areas of climate change, of course. What I'm saying, I think, is that having these kinds of figures at our disposal almost provides a bit of an antidote to that because, you know, in spite of there being horrible things going on, there's still a huge number of people who are really concerned about this to such an extent that doing something even as small as donating an item to a charity shop really improves their well-being. And I think that's actually really very encouraging for society as a whole to see that there are so many people out there that are still doing that kind of thing to the benefit of others and for the planet as a whole. Yeah, that's just a hugely positive message, isn't it? You know, the the feel-good factor that the report has highlighted really can't be underestimated. No, it can't. And, uh, you know, I think this is one of the things that's driving such uh, strong trading in charity shops, because to trading in charity shops at the moment is phenomenal. And every time I hear the the monthly BBC News report saying that, you know, retail activity has gone down, and I keep thinking, well, hang on a minute, you know, not in charity shops. It actually hasn't. And I think, as you say, it's partly being driven by that sense that people want the pound in their pocket to go to something a little bit more friendly, I suppose, uh, something that actually does give something back. I think people get a big kick out of shopping in charity shops for exactly that reason, quite apart from the fact they can find some amazing bargains and fantastic value for money items. We all love a bargain in a charity shop, right? Indeed, we do, yes. But also, you know, you get a big kick out of donating stuff because you know that it's not just going to end up in, you know, in a big dump, but actually it's going to be reused and raise money for good causes. So it's a very positive thing that we're looking at here. Yeah, thanks, Robin. Nathan, I wonder if I could bring you in here now, because actually with Robin talking about those good news messages, it just occurs to me, do you think there's some wider messages here that focus on what society is currently valuing? Yeah, I I absolutely do. And I think it's really interesting that this research and the social value element, I think, can inform the debate about the role of and future of the high street more generally. Uh, There's two things that occurred to me in in thinking about this podcast. One was our our own research where we surveyed 2,000 members of the public about the high street generally. And what was clear from that research was that high streets still provide a sense of identity, purpose, community, and ideally elements of individuality. 73% of those 2,000 claimed an emotional attachment. 
And there was a clear lament for the perceived decline of the high street. I think if we could take the learnings and the philosophy behind what the CRA have done in, in what I think is an absolutely brilliant and thorough bit of research, if we could put a value on on the high street more generally, it might actually encourage public and private sector to invest more. It might alter the approach to business rates. It might alter the approach to planning, to policing, and perhaps overcome some of the barriers to a vibrant high street. And that, of course, would benefit charity retail as well as retail generally. So I think it just chimed with that sort of plaintive cry of dismay that the high street was deteriorating. And it wasn't because you couldn't still go and buy the goods and services you need. We can get those, can't we? And it was interesting that Sharon White's suggestion of John Lewis partnership, that there should be a royal commission about this that might actually elevate above politics and draw in thinking like social value was again uh, 73% of the people we surveyed thought that was a good idea. So there's definitely something in this. And it, it was then really brought to life for me on a more granular level last night. I went to a, an event at a shop called Sparks, which is in Broadmead, the, the high street area of centre of Bristol. Two charities have come together and they've taken a short-term lease of the old city centre Marks and Spencers, which closed down after 30 years. And that was very much an anchor store of the whole area. These charities have come together to repurpose that space in what they describe as a department store with a difference, a fusion of independent retail, sustainability and arts. And it is a pretty eclectic mix of, of stuff and activity in there. My first reaction when I went in there was that this is the sort of activity in stores and shops that wouldn't be seen out of place at a sort of indie festival, an alternative festival. But what was fascinating was that they get 9,000 visitors a week through that store. And this is in and amongst pretty mainstream shops. So there is definitely a sense of people wanting a community connection. That's their kind of instinct. And they've actually just secured a two-year extension to the lease. So they've got a bit of certainty. But also Arts Council funding to calculate the value of this sort of intrinsic reuse. Both those sort of big picture and then sort of more granular things suggest to me that there's great value in what the CRA have done here, not only in terms of charity retail, but perhaps contributing to the broader debate, which you alluded to at the top, Anna. Yeah, absolutely. I think we get back a lot of good vibes, if you will, from feeling that we're a part of contributing towards something positive, whether for our communities or the environment. I think it's it's huge. And I think it's brilliant that the CRA research has highlighted this. I agree. And I think I think it'd be really helpful if listeners could understand how different stakeholders benefit and summarise your research for those who haven't had a chance to read it yet. I think this was something we weren't quite expecting to see that all four stakeholder groups found a huge amount of sense of well-being from their interactions with charity shops. So it's not often you get staff, for example, who will turn around and say, well, actually, you know, I get a real kick out working where I work. I mean, it does happen. I'm sure it happens in food density all the time. Daily. But uh, it's not that common for people to get, you know, such a kick out of doing it. Perhaps we were expecting a bit more of that from volunteers because why would you volunteer in a place when, you know, you aren't enjoying it? But that was extraordinarily important to volunteers. They're volunteering in charity shops, and that's key. Uh, for customers, of course, I suppose, again, a little bit more obvious that a customer 
gets a kick out of shopping in a charity shop. And I think that's partly about knowing that they're contributing to a good cause. But I think it's also about the nature of the shops and how well curated they are these days. Um, and the sorts of things that you can find in them are absolutely amazing. Mm, absolutely. So there's a real excitement that charity shops can generate, which, as you were saying, Nathan, is sometimes absent from the rest of the high street. And that sort of emphasis on experience that everyone is talking about uh, as being a key element of modern shopping, if you like, that sort of experience has often been present in a charity shop over many years. And the final thing about donors, of course, perhaps, again, we might have expected that, but we were surprised at how huge the figures came out. And the reason the figures came out so large, of course, is because there are so many donors. More than 50% of the UK's population now donate to charity shops. And the figure we actually ended up using was 47 million people. And I think it's just really interesting, as you were saying, Nathan, to observe that all four of those stakeholder groups gain significant well-being benefits from their interactions with, with charity retail. So, Robin, you had the House of Commons launch and webinar for the Charity Retail Association members to promote the report. But can you tell us something about any of the responses that you've received from the webinar and the launch? Well, amongst our membership, there was a palpable sense that this was validating what they'd known for many, many years. And I think they were very grateful to us for having been able to put some science, as we were saying earlier, on what people had known all along, actually. And not only put some science on it, but also put some actual numbers that could be used. So I think there was a palpable sense that, uh, you know, we'd done a good thing for them. Because the importance of charity retail to its parent charity doesn't stop at the amount of money it's raising for the parent charity. It's a very significant amount of money, but it doesn't stop at that. For the charity themselves, they are providing a, a literal shop window in the high street and in, in the community for their activities. One of our largest members, a children's charity, finds that young people wander into their stores on average about once a month across the country and say something like, you know, help, my parents have thrown me out, or help, I'm being, you know, abused in this situation or that situation. So they're really seen as a, as a place where you can access the services of the charity. And our members find that increasingly important. So that kind of non-financial benefit to the charity, never mind to the four stakeholder groups we we're talking about, is really important. And this kind of work gives them the opportunity to expose that, if you like, particularly to their trustee groups and to their senior management, say, hey, you know, we're not just writing you a check here, we're actually doing a load of other stuff for you as, as charity retailers. And I think our being able to quantify that and to be able to put some real words around it uh, is something that's a great benefit to our members. Yeah, I think it's really striking, isn't it, Robin, that charity shops really can be the public face of charities and the link between those charities and their supporters and donors, which is, you know, much more tangible and hands-on perhaps than other contact that they might have with that charity. Across the board, charity shops really do um, create that public link. Yes, and if you think of somebody like Oxfam, who do most of their work overseas, Oxfam charity shops are clearly the most visible part of Oxfam in the UK. And so a lot of people are familiar with Oxfam's work 
largely through what goes on in its charity shops. And that's just one example amongst many. There are plenty of our members for whom that's the case. And we could probably all think of a few charities that we don't know what they do, but we've heard of them because of their charity shops. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. It is that visibility in the community that is so important. One of the interesting things about charity shops is the extent to which most of the people who, who operate them, the staff and volunteers, are really local people. You know, they walk to work very often. And so they are really rooted in their community and they know what's going on in their community and can provide all sorts of community links, which your average retail, you know, large commercial retail chain might not be able to. And I wonder as well, Robin, whether those charity shops being on the high street actually feed into that feeling of general well-being, of knowing or perhaps reminding us all that there are people out there doing a lot of good. And to come back to your commentary about sometimes the bad news stories that we're bombarded with, actually being able to walk out onto our high street and see evidence of the good that's being done in the world and to be a little part of that perhaps is in itself incredibly impactful. Yes, I, I think that's a, a sort of wise statement, and I, and I love the idea of being a little part of it, you know, because as this report shows, when there's literally millions of people being a little part of something, it turns into something very big. You can probably speak to any number of people and say, well, actually, I get a big kick out of being a little part of Oxfam or a little part of British Heart Foundation or a little part of Cats Protection or a little part of my local hospice or the special school in, in, in my next door village. Uh, you know, a lot of people will say how important that is as part of their shopping habits these days. Um, and they're not just contributing to manufacturing incredibly cheap, low-quality clothing. So I, I do think that those things are really important parts of people's shopping habits these days, yes. And actually, I'm, my daughter volunteers at our local charity shop, Children's Hospice Southwest. Um, well, and right I can um, attest to the fact that she gets a huge amount as a 15-year-old from being part of that team and being a part of doing something good. And I think that positive feeling is incredibly valuable for all of us. What that leads me on to is how incredibly proud all of our charity shops and all the people who are involved in them, staff, volunteers, the wider charity, but also the customers and the donors can feel of our charity shops across the country. And I think that for me actually was the most impactful part about the CRA research is that actually charity shops can stand back and tangibly say, we're contributing, as you say, something more than just pence in the pound to our charities. That's amazing. It's brilliant that they're contributing to those fantastic causes, but also they're contributing something more. And we all knew that, but now we've got tangible evidence of it. And what I think is really exciting is it hasn't just stopped with that research, has it? I know that the CRA's produced um, a toolkit that will allow individual charity shops or chains of charity shops to be able to calculate their own social value. And, and I wonder if you could tell listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So um, we have some 480 or so charities in membership who represent something like 9,000 of the UK's 10,200 charity shops. And we felt it was really important that members could do their own calculations for their own specific shop chains. So we asked our researchers to put together a fairly simple spreadsheet, which uh, enables them to plug in their own data about the number of shops they have and the number of tiers and all of those kinds of things and will pop out a social value for their particular shop chain. They could do that for an individual shop or for their whole chain or for just part of their chain uh, and use that in their local circumstances. So perhaps talking to their MPs, talking to local authorities, talking to their own trustees, of course, and talking to their own customers about why charity retail exists, what good it does and how best to use it. 
And I guess that can be really impactful in terms of influencing policy decisions in their local community, as well as influencing how charity shops are run going forwards. And I know we've talked about, Robin, the fact that actually being able to talk about the positive impact, ironically in itself, might be having more positive impact. So we're actually creating more social value just by talking about the research and the impact of charity shops on our communities. Yes, it'd be good to think so, wouldn't it? I mean, most most of our members make decent sums of money, let's be clear, about charity retail, and that's the primary reason that, that it's there. But there are also members who would never in a million years, even if they started making losses, be doing away with their shop chains for all of those reasons of the anchor in the community, the portal and the shop window in the community. Um, and yes, you're right, the more ammunition we can give them to talk about that with their own stakeholders in their local communities, the better. And that's what we've tried to do with the toolkit. Uh, we probably touched on um, how the report could be used, but I wondered if you'd had any reflections since publication on what next and to capitalise on, on this uh, fantastic piece of work. So I think it's really important that we encourage as many of our members as possible to do that work that we've just been talking about with their local stakeholders. Because if we want to create, as you were saying earlier, Nathan, if, you, if we want to create some sort of step change in the high street, then understanding these kinds of outcomes and impacts is a really important piece of this. So what we're doing is we're encouraging as many of our members as possible to use this work to produce their own statistics and to work in their local communities. And we're only a small organization. We can't do everything ourselves. And it's really important that we leverage the ubiquity, if you like, of, of charity retail to get those messages across. Robin, I, kn- I know many charities have been asking whether the Charity Retail Association is likely to repeat this research in future years. I wonder if you could let us have your comments on that. Yeah, I think we definitely will if we possibly can. It wasn't entirely inexpensive to do it, as I'm sure you can imagine. It's an appropriate moment to say that we're very grateful for Foot Anstey's support in doing so. But it is a costly exercise and one that we can't repeat like every year. I mean, it took nearly a year to do it, so it'd be a bit of a fourth road bridge job anyway. But certainly in the future, we would want to look again and see what things have changed, if any, and whether they've changed for the better or changed for the worse. And in an ideal world, we'd also want to extend the reach of it a little bit. That's a subject for a debate in the future. Thank you, Robin. Well, that sort of draws our conversation to a close. I think it's probably useful just to let listeners know that if they would like to read the Charity Retail Association's report for themselves, it's available on their website at www.charityretail.org.uk, where you can also find details of membership and benefits. You can also read my little blog, which is out there on the internet if you search for it, um, about that report. And just to shout out as well that our Perception of High Street report is also available on the Footansty website, um, which uh, is well worth a read. Just to let you all know that we will be producing our second episode and on that we'll be welcoming Sarah Cox from the charity shop Gift Card and also Karen Bates from Footansty who will be joining us in a pre-Christmas special where we'll be discussing all the good that buying a charity shop gift card can do for society. Robin, thank you ever so much for being our guest. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Thanks for asking me. and It's been really good fun. And thank you, Nathan, for joining us as our in-house guest. That's brilliant. Thanks. Really enjoyed it. And so from Marina and myself, thank you all for joining us. And we hope you've enjoyed a little bit of The Power of Good.